It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live on this Thursday. As Jeff Eagles destroys my office. Thank you for being with us. I'm John Schmelk, 201-939-4513. My bad. Hashtag Giants Chat. Uh, feeling better? I apologize if I slur some words today. Uh, one side of my mouth still not recovered from having the wisdom teeth pulled. But luckily, our guest is going to do most of the talking for the first 20 minutes or so of the show. And that is Seth Emerson. He covers the University of Georgia for the Athletic to talk about, by my count, the approximate 8,000 Georgia players <laughs> that will be in the NFL draft this year. Seth. Thanks for being back with us on Big Blue Kickoff Live, man. Good to talk to you. Hope, uh, I guess this is what will qualify as your quiet time of year is is going well for you. Mm -hmm. Speaking of quiet, (laughs) it's very quiet. Uh, Sounds like we just lost Jeff. Jeff, you there? Seth? Seth, I'm here. You with me? Seth going once, Seth going twice. We'll get Seth back on the one. I heard him for a second. Well, you, you, you said it's quiet time, and he went. He definitely went quiet on us. You hit the nail on the head, though. Yes, but I there mean, are a million Georgia players coming out, so Seth will have a lot to talk to <clears> us <throat> about um, with that. Yeah. Uh, so Pearson will get Seth back up at the line. Not sure what happened there. Because uh, you didn't hear him for a second. Well, he was there. He didn't no went away. Um, but look, Jeff, we're talking probably three or four, maybe five first-round picks here out of, out of this Georgia team. Yeah, I mean, Trayvon Walker, obviously Jordan Davis, um, Dakobe Dean. Those are three right there. So um, I don't know much, so much on the offensive side. John, what do you think? Um, any of these guys? I don't think so. Who knows? Hey man, I mean, I would power. say Trayvon Walker, mm-hmm. Devontae Wyatt, mm-hmm. Jordan Davis, Dakobe mm-hmm. Dean. <clears throat> That's four. And then a cha- I mean, Dean's not a sure thing, I don't think. Yeah, but and then Lewis Cena would probably be the possibility of a fifth guy. In my in is is what I would guess. Who did you say? Lewis Cena would would oh, be sure. the fifth guy, and yep. George Pickens I think has potential. But uh, we'll talk about all those guys with Seth Emerson, who <clears throat> joins us right back. Seth, I, I didn't I didn't mean to piss you off that early in the interview. <laughs> What's going on, man? How are you? I don't I don't know what happened there. Uh, usually these kind of happen on live radio. <laughs> yeah. Seth, it's all and good. especially no when, when Schmelk is on the other end, it usually yeah, absolutely. Too. All right, so let's start here because I think this will kind of be a theme as you talk about a lot of these guys. The comparison I've used is when you're evaluating like Kentucky basketball players, in that the team is so loaded and they play in such a defined system that it's hard to evaluate maybe the complete upside of what a player can be because they play in a specific system. And I feel like that's how you have to look at some of these Georgia players on defense. Do you agree with that assessment? Or how would you just just evaluate in terms of how they utilize these players and how you can kind of take what they you know, did in college and how you might try to project them to the NFL level? Well, you know, that that's interesting. It's kind of almost a chicken and an egg thing. Are they... Is it such a good system that you you have to kind of devalue a little bit of like how good they look to your eyes on film, um, or is it just a really good defense because they recruit really good players? And I, I, I guess you it, it can go either way. I mean, 
Lorenzo Carter was a really good player at Georgia for four years. He was also a five-star prospect, and, you know, he had a nice career for the Giants. He was a third-round pick. Um, so you probably got what you were going to get out of the third-round pick, I would say, probably, right? You know, I mean, um, and, and so he his career kind of went that way, but then you look at a bunch of these Georgia guys and say, all right, well, who, who here, I would look at it this way. These guys were not just system guys if they were four-star, five-star blue-chip prospects who then performed like to that ability. And in a lot of cases, that was the case. Um, I would look at, for instance, there was a rotation. Everyone knows about Kobe Dean, and he was a five-star prospect at Georgia. Uh, started his last two years, you know, probably going to be a first-round pick. But the other two inside linebackers, Quay Walker and Channing Tindall, some people may say system guys because, you know, why are we talking about them so much? They didn't actually play that much at Georgia. Well, they were both really good, highly ranked prospects, too, who just happened to play the same position. So, you know, you could end up with someone who is a first-round pick, second-round pick, doesn't end up giving you that much. Like, I don't know if Jordan Davis or Devontae Wyatt would be that. But on the other hand, you could, on this Georgia defense, still unearth a guy like a Quay Walker or a Channing Tindall who's playing time in college is not commensurate with how good a prospect he really is. And he actually perversely ends up getting more playing time in the NFL than he did in college and blossoms. Yeah, yeah, said, no doubt about it. And I think, and I'm kind of attacking this from a different angle with, with this question. Maybe this will explain better what I meant. Like, I think for a guy like Trevon Walker, I think almost the way he was used at Georgia, you know, you almost maybe didn't see everything he can be, right? Because I watched him on tape before we got to the Combine. And I saw a guy that was used, you know, not really on the perimeter. He really wasn't lined up outside the offensive tackles a lot. He was almost used as his interior rusher. Then he shows up at the Combine, and he puts up every athletic trait you want from an elite edge rusher that you want to put on the edge, go one-on-one, get upfield, sack the quarterback. But that wasn't really the role he was used in in the Georgia defense. So I guess to start with Walker, how how did you view how they used him in college and, you know, does his athletic skill set and ability, could that translate to even more when he gets to the NFL? Yeah, I mean, because Georgia is still at core a 3-4 defense, although, as we know so many times, that means like 4-2-5 or 3-3-5, but he is a defensive lineman. So he was 6 technique or 9 technique, and he was lining up on what ended up being the inside because Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt or Jalen Carter, who we'll be talking about next year. Yeah, we will. (laughs) Um, Yeah, we're the defensive linemen. And so they're taking blockers. And I think Trayvon Walker a lot of times might have been, I mean, sometimes he was just pure standing up, and sometimes he even went into pass coverage. But most of those times you saw him kind of lining up inside. It's because, like, you're you're faking the O-line and the blockers a little bit. You know that Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt, Jalen Carter, those guys are going to take – hopefully two blockers and Trayvon Walker will then be able to sneak through the gap. And that was the strategy a lot with him. Um, but he's, you know, I mean, Georgia knew what they had in Trayvon Walker. 
he actually was not a starter his first two years, even though he was a five-star prospect. And Kirby Smart kept talking about, we got to find a way to play him. But he had a guy ahead of him, Malik Herring, who would be in the NFL now if he hadn't broken his leg at the, or I think he tore his ACL um, during the Senior Bowl. So once Trayvon Walker started, he he just exploded the way people thought he would. And, and that's there, there's a lot of upside there for the NFL because he doesn't have as much uh, tread on the tires going into the NFL as some other guys may have. Um, he's he's you know, not only a junior, so only played three years, but he didn't play a lot in the first two years. So there's a lot of upside there. Yeah. A little bit, little bit Aziz Ojolari-like. You know, Aziz only played two years at Jordan. Yeah, I don't want to spend too much time on Walker since we have a million other guys here set. So just, just to follow up, my final question, do you think in the NFL then his best spot Edge on a four-three defense is that where you think he's going to fit in? I, I think he's he's versatile enough. He could do all that. I wouldn't want to pigeonhole him. Um, I, I think. I mean, I think he looked pretty good as an edge. You know, six technique, nine technique in a three-four. Um, but he can he can go out there and he can do four-three stuff too. I mean, I, I think uh, I think he, he's got a lot of athleticism to him. Got it. So big guy, I, I know there's got to be there's got to be a nickname for Jordan Davis. I don't know it, but there's got to be. Is there a nickname for this man, this human being? Uh, Kirby <laughs> called him Godzilla, but <laughs> that works <laughs> exactly. Yeah, because I, I would say he put that. Um, so uh, you know, I just everyone everyone loves Jordan Davis. He was he's the dude who uh, he actually formed a. Uh, attachment with Georgia's red coat band, the mar- the, the pep band, marching band, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and like went and conducted them at the end of the home finale here. Um, you know, he was doing a lot of name image likeness stuff. You know, he's just everyone. He, he, he's, he finished at the end of the national championship press conference that he was in. He actually like thanked the media in a very like sincere and drawn out way. So I'm forever going to love him. What when when you saw this this guy coming up um, in college? Obviously, what he did at the combine, all of us were enamored with what what he put on tape and and some of the things he did. What was his progression through his college career? Did you guys always see that he was that type of an athlete, or was it just something that you know a lot of people just outside of the Georgia bubble, if you will, just just saw him as a large human being, but really never thought he could be that bit of big of an athlete. No, it was more the athlete. I mean, he had a play, uh, I think it was against UAB this year, where it was actually like an eight- or nine-yard gain on a scramble. Um, but Jordan Davis, like, brought him down from behind. He ran him down and brought him down from behind. And I remember Shane Beamer, the South Carolina coach, telling me he saw that on film. And he was like, good God. Um, <laughs> but, but I saw him do it live, and I'm like, yeah, you know, we, that, that doesn't shock me. Uh he he was only a three-star prospect coming out of Charlotte, North Carolina, for a number of reasons. One of them being that I think some people saw him as an offensive lineman, but Georgia said no, that guy's a that guy's a nose tackle, and uh, he was starting like midway through his freshman year and just been in the lineup since then. The only knock on him, and it's come out since the season ended and the, the draft talk started, which is when you know everyone starts knocking guys uh for whatever reason is well like why didn't he play on more third downs and and like 
the, the explanation to that is pretty easy. It's like, well, <laughs> they didn't need him. Yeah, they had they, a lot they, of other guys. They, yeah, yeah. He was. They did him. They, he did run defense first and second down, um, but he could pressure the pocket very easily when the teams passed, and they could hello bring in Jalen Carter or, you know, sometimes they subbed around and had Devonte Wyatt coming in with them. Um, it was their way of resting. I think if they didn't have a lot of depth on the D line, he probably would have played more third down. Um, but they, that because of that athleticism and because they wanted to keep him fresh, Georgia said, "Hey, let's take him out when we can and keep him fresh until the fourth quarter." All right, let, uh, let's stick on the defensive line of your set. Devontae Wyatt, you mentioned the way Georgia's defense is designed. They want those defensive linemen to occupy blockers, let the other guys run. Do you think Wyatt, though, given his, his quickness, which I, I watched him this morning, I think kind of that side-to-side quickness is, is pretty impressive for a man that size. Is he someone that you think will be able to be a, a, a real good gap penetrator when he gets to the NFL level if he's really unleashed in that way? Yeah, I mean, he, he's an interesting guy because he has very slowly emerged as a, as a real you know, force. We're talking about Jordan Davis, and even though he was only a three-star prospect, we've been talking about him since his freshman year. Like, it was evident before Georgia played a game, the buzz was coming out of camp that this guy's better than a three-star. This guy's going to be really good. Devontae Wyatt came in as sort of a three-slash-four-star and just slowly got better. So... He and, and he's benefited from good coaching here and good use of his talents. And I, I'm interested to see where his NFL career goes because he could be one of these guys who just continues to get better. Like he is just blossoming as a player because um, the light proverbially has been going on. Um, or is there a little bit of a, you know, that he could be one of those products of the system. Mm-hmm. Like he, he made some big plays at Georgia enough for you to say, yeah, he could play, but, you know, honestly, the talk of him as a first-round pick is – when I hear talk of Jordan Davis as like, you know, I'm not sure he's not that good, I'm like, man, I think he's a top 10, top 15 guy. But then when I hear of Devontae Wyatt talk, I'm like, mm, you know, I, hmm. you know. Okay. Second day, yeah, but like – and again, I could be wildly wrong on this, but I just – I say if I'm an NFL team, first-round pick, uh, you know, that – maybe a little bit of a stretch, but I, you know, I could be totally wrong about that. Oh, do you want me to think? Sorry. No, Jeff, go wherever you want. Oh, no, you I, I just, well, I just had a real quick, real quick yeah, on sure. Devontae White. Because, mm-hmm. you know, when I'm reading and looking at film and stuff on this guy, for to me, um, he's obviously a big guy at 315. To me, the question is, is his power? I know he's got a very quick foot coming off the ball, um, but he's a little bit more of a finesse player where I think at the next level he's going to have to become a little bit more physical. Can you see that in him, or do you see more of the guy that just really plays on his technique and is able to use that to his advantage? Well, I I think that goes back to why, you know, he he has benefited from playing next to Jordan Davis, next to Jalen Carter, next to Trayvon Walker. Mm -hmm. He's had dead rushers and stuff behind him. Has he been singularly the one guy making? And he has enough times made those plays. I, I think I, I would be surprised if Devontae Walker, or if, if, if Devontae Wyatt, you know, DeAndre Walker played here a few years ago, um, if Wyatt isn't a like NFL starter for the next five or ten years. I think that's what he's going to be. But when I think of difference maker, I'm thinking more Jordan Davis mm-hmm. and Trayvon Walker. Got it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that again, makes sense. Wyatt, 
prove me wrong. Interesting. All right, uh, let's jump to the linebackers here. Before I talk about the player himself, uh, Seth, and we're joined by, again, Seth Emerson. He covers uh, Georgia for the Athletic. Uh, Nicobe Dean, are we going to see him work out, do you think, before the draft? I don't know. Uh, they, he's had He has some, like, pectoral issue that is why he didn't work out at the Combine or at Pro Day. I thought it was an ankle. Uh, it's a pec? <laughs> I, I may be mixing that up. I Maybe it was I, there was somebody who had a pectoral issue. I got it. No I, worries. I don't. Mm-hmm. It was a, it was a minor thing. Um, I I mean I would just say you you could turn on the film there. Like you know, he's he there's there's two years of film there to to show what he can do, and he's one of those guys who was a five star prospect. So he's not someone that you you worry that he's just a you know product of the system, whatever. I mean, I you know with it and and I think he was measured at the combine so you know you know his height and i think he's just a classic case of someone's going to make a evaluation based on well you know do i do i value the measurable so much or do i just value the actual production um you know and like smart kid uh, you know going to go into engineering um good citizen you don't have to worry about that uh and by the way, Seth, you know, when I when I talked about the system, yes, yeah, some guys might be a product of it. I think the system might actually hide some guys' skills. You know what I mean? Because they're kind of put into a specific role sometimes, and you can't see everything that they do, like a Trevon Walker, for example. Uh, one quick follow-up on Dean. Should NFL teams be at all concerned with his lack of size as a linebacker? You know, being a guy that's going to you know play in the middle of the field, you know, under 230, is that something that should be a worry? Or is that something that never really showed up when you watched him? We lose Seth. Mm. All right, why don't you get him back up here? Please. I'll tell you what, I, I, I remember watching him in that national championship game. He was all over the field. Oh, yeah, he's fast. I mean, he is all over the place. Um, and, you know, some of the things like it's just there's guys that there's guys that don't test well. You know what I mean, John? We've seen those types of guys that they go to the combine. They don't have the greatest test results, but they have that game speed and that game tenacity. This is one of the guys. I feel like just because he's six foot, he's only 225 pounds, a lot of people are going to be like, is he big enough to play linebacker in the National Football League? Well, just look, look at him on tape. The guy's all over the place. He's got a mean streak in him. Um, he's smart, and but that's I, what happens. I do think the NFL teams want to see him test, right? Because yeah. if you're only yeah. you know, six 100%. foot, 200 and, you know, 229 at the combine, I bet right. you drank a lot of water that day. But you know what? If it is an ankle, it's it's got to you know he's going to have to wait until yep. he's one hundred and ten percent because he certainly doesn't want to hurt himself by going out there and doing hurting hurting his numbers by if he's not one hundred percent healthy. Yeah, no question about it. We're gonna have to set back up here in a second. Um, and we got him, Seth. Right. Welcome back again. Okay. I appreciate it. Um, huh. no, no worries. I, I was just asking a follow up on Dean. Should NFL teams at all be concerned about his smaller frame? You know, he probably played around 220 last year, right? Does that ever show up on film when you watch him, or is that really a non-factor? No, I mean, it was a non-factor at the college level. Um, it, it doesn't mean it won't be at the NFL level. Um, I think Roquan Smith, you know, Roquan, what, I, I, I don't remember, if, I don't know if this part, I, I just said it was before I got cut off, but, like, Nakobe and Roquan were compared to each other since Nakobe got here. And they pretty much had the same career. Um, Roquan maybe an inch taller, inch or two, like on paper it may look like more, but they they played like 
like almost the same player. I mean, you know, little different skill sets. But Nakobe was as effective as Roquan. Um, and I don't think Dean stood out as much at Georgia as Roquan did in 2017 because Nakobe was just surrounded by so much talent. So he didn't stand out as much. But, you know, he he's a guy that I just, you know, I I don't, it's just going to come down to whether an organization or scouts decide that the measurables are that important or whether they just look and say, look, the guy makes plays and we don't care if he's an inch or two shorter. No, fair enough. Uh, let's wrap up the linebackers. Uh, give me a compare and contrast with Tyndall and Walker. You kind of mentioned those guys earlier. Um, what teams would be getting if they decided to draft one of those guys on day two? Uh, I, I think – those guys, that may speak also to Nicobe Dean. And again, it may just be that we're talking about Nicobe Dean was that good in college and whether it translates to the NFL. But those guys, Tyndall and Walker, are really good players. And Walker was a, I think he was a five star. He might have been one of those like top 50, four or five. And Tyndall was just outside the top 100. So these were really good players that had to share snaps because of Nicobe Dean being next to him. So they're really good players. They're bigger than Dean. Little, they're both taller and a little more lean. Nakobe Dean's a little more stacked, um, and they both actually played defensive end in high school. So they have versatility. And they they could have moved them to edge this last year when Adam Anderson uh, left the team, not of his own volition, obviously. Um, but they, they chose not to. They chose to keep him an inside linebacker. Um, but an NFL team, I think, might be tempted with both those guys to say, hey, you know, let's, let's move you guys around a little bit. How about the, uh, the secondary? you got a couple guys there. Um, Dar- is it Darian Kendrick? And then Lewis, is it Sine? Is yeah. That what, what about the, uh, those guys there? I know that they uh, Oh, Scene. Scene, okay. Oh, I'll, well, listen, I'll butcher the yeah. best of them. You know, <laughs> I mean, that's an easy one for yeah. me, but it's really not. That one's an easy one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so talk a little bit about those guys and what, you, what you've seen in their character and, and the way that they play. Yeah, Kendrick, I think the thing that will come up is character because he left Clemson after three years. Um, it's you know one of those kind of mutual separation deals. and It had some discipline issues there, but then came to Georgia and he was fine. He just they you know, sure. they they took a chance on him and there were there were no problems. Um, that doesn't mean they won't return mm-hmm. at the NFL. Um, we just you know, but uh, he, he's a solid cornerback. He's he he was somebody that just never you know he. Again, it didn't end well for DeAndre Baker in New York or the NFL. But <laughs> no, it did not. Much like DeAndre Baker, much like DeAndre Baker, De- Darian Kendrick is one of those guys that, when the, on the rare occasions the other team had a big pass play, you never saw Kendrick in the picture. Um, so he's just a real solid, good cornerback. Uh, Lewis Seen was a guy who only started as a sophomore and a junior but was very good, mainly strong safety kind of role, but athletic enough to, to do free and do the other kind of stuff. Uh, you know, just a really solid, good player. Um, again, another, you know, kind of good character guy um, that I, you know, just didn't get as much notice as some of the guys in the front seven, but he was a big part of that defense. 
Uh, Jeff will jump to the offense real quick here. I just want to ask you about Jermaine Johnson because he's a guy that we're going to talk a lot about over this course of this draft process. And, you know, when I talk about system, Seth, I said this before, I think you were cut off when I did. You know, I think it hides guys' skills too, right? Because of the system, and frankly, there's just so much talent around there. You know, was Jermaine Johnson a guy that yeah. just never got the chance because there was just so much other good players around him? Correct. Uh, he transferred from a junior college, and his junior and senior year, let's see if I remember who was ahead of him. Um, I've already forgotten. Uh, oh, well, Gizzi <laughs> Ozolari was ahead of him. And the, the more uh, the, the Georgia did not use two outside linebackers as much as they did maybe during the early part of the Kirby Smart era. It's a, it's a reaction to college offenses. So you're, you're using a nickelback as basically a starting spot. And who gets dropped a lot of times? A lot of times it's the second outside linebacker. So they, they found a way to get enough of those guys on the field. But, I mean, well, look, look at how many guys we're talking about on Georgia's defense. That's crazy. You know, there's only they only allow you 11 on the field at the same time. Jermaine Johnson wanted to be showcased. Um, I talked to him about this in Mobile uh, after the national championship. He said he had no regrets, and I kind of actually believe him. Like, yeah, he could have won a ring at Georgia, but he went to Florida State and showcased himself, and he got exactly what he wanted out of it. And I'm not sure he would have gotten the snaps at Georgia Smart. with all that talent around mm-hmm. him that, that he – you know, it, it's one of those things that worked out for him, and maybe he'll get a ring in the NFL. I, I could see him blowing up. The thing that I never got to talk to him in person because he was here for you know, 2019. He wasn't much of a factor in 2020. It was COVID. And, and like, standing next to him in Mobile made me realize, like, this is a tall guy. This is a really big guy. And by the way, like a really good kid, like really like introspective and like very self-aware, seems very mature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, which is why, I, like I said, I, I believe him when he says he doesn't have any regrets about his transfer. Like, it, it worked out for him. Well, I mean, you look at you look at this is the same situation for a lot of these big-time schools. You know, look at Alabama. I mean, you got guys that go there that are four-star recruits that, that never see the field, and the next thing you know, they're transferring, they have a good, good career, and, and they come out in the NFL, and they do well. But, you know, it's just, like you said, you can only put 11 guys on the field. Yeah. And unfortunately... You know, these big programs, especially the ones in the SEC, these, these guys have a hard time getting on the field. But, you know, for a young man like that who can, can really make a decision like that that's going to impact his, the rest of his life going forward, he made a good decision because he's going to be a very high, high pick and he got a lot of playing time because of it. Um, we're going to switch over to real quickly to the offensive line. Jamari S- Salyer? Is that it? Whoa. Yeah, I think you hey, got that, Jeff. Hey, good hey, job. Hey. Ding, ding, ding. We don't have any bells and whistles here, but if we did, they would be, they would be, you would hear them. Uh, talk a little bit about, but this guy, 6'4", 325, offensive tackle. Um, you know, he's going to be a guy that I, that a lot of people have, you know, later rounds, but just give me a little insight on him. Well, in the interest of full disclosure, before I uh, say how much I think he's going to have an NFL future, um, he uh, followed me on Twitter and pretty sure he read my stuff because he would respond in press conferences to narratives out there that he didn't like. And I was like, <laughs> are you like, serious? That That's narrative. awesome. So, that is yeah. great. <laughs> yeah. So, and he, no, he, he's, he's somebody who like, he was one of those five-star recruits coming out of high school. He, he went to the same high school, was a high school teammate of Andrew Thomas. So mm-hmm. they both were well-coached coming out. Um, their, their, their O-line coach, Pace Academy in Atlanta, just renowned for preparing these guys well. But he, he moved around a lot at Georgia. Yeah. Um, he was basically the left tackle all season, and then 
during the national championship game switched to guard when there was an injury and he had played guard he even was a backup center i don't remember whether he ever got a center snap in a no game it, sa- it says here he played years, 39 39 snaps at every single position we have here so yeah he must have got some at center yeah which is impressive yeah he must have at some point it must have been it must have been earlier in his career um but he uh like he his between his versatility his character uh and his skills i i think he's gonna have a long nfl career yeah, I think you watch him, and I, I think he just looks like a starting NFL guard to me, to be honest with you. I uh, want to go to George Pickens. Who, I think he's a guard, yeah. He's yeah a guard. No, I'm yeah. with you. I, I want to go to Pickens on offense. You know, this is a guy that I almost feel like because George is – if they played in more of a air it out type of system, we would be talking about George Pickens in the same conversation as we would in, like, the top three, four wide receivers in this draft. I know he, you know, started his career fast, yeah. not quite as good the last two years. But, boy, his size and speed combination, his ability to gulp and get it, like this guy seems to check every box for me for an NFL wide receiver. He's, he's another guy who was a five-star who I, I, I think just, you know, I, I think he lived up to it. I, uh, Georgia, I don't think it's so much. They're, they're not, they haven't quite gone the Alabama route or the LSU route during the Joe Brady era um, of, of airing it out. But I think it's more that they spread their targets around. Oh, okay. That they, they use a lot of their wide receivers. Like, the not to go on a tangent, but I think some of it hurt Alabama was that they were so dependent on John Mechie and Jamison Williams this year that when those guys went down late in the season, uh, Mechie in the SEC championship and then Williams in the national championship, that hurt them a little bit more, whereas – George did not have George Pickens until the very end of the year. A lot of people wondered whether he would ever play at Georgia. He tore his ACL like almost, it might have been a year ago today, a year ago today or yesterday. Um, and a lot of people thought, well, that's it. But he stuck around. And it benefited him, I think, in a lot of ways, because you know, there are going to be character questions because he's had you know, a couple suspensions here. Um, but it benefited him to show, no, I wanted to be with my team. And, and he came back and, you know, he wasn't 100% by the end of the national championship game, but he still did enough to show what he can do. And, um, you know, he's, he's a guy that if, if you can keep him on the straight and narrow in the NFL, and, and I think you can, um, he, he's going to make some plays. He's going to be a player. Were those suspensions, like, inside the team stuff, off the field stuff? What were those – Oh. Silly stuff, silly <laughs> stuff. Uh, there was—I don't remember if it was a suspension, but he like squirted a water bottle at a opposing player during a game when the player like you know <laughs> went on the sideline after a play. Um, there was a—I think his freshman his freshman year there was a suspension for something behind the scenes that was prob that it was described to me as just basically you know typical silly kind of stuff. Um, you know, it, it, he wasn't going around. You know, engaging in any thuggery or whatever. It's just you know, <laughs> he's a, he's a wide receiver. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and, yeah, nothing cats. else have to be said about that. There you go. So <laughs> very well put, Seth. That's exactly right. Yeah, just he was a wide receiver. That's all we have to know. Um, speaking of the offensive side of the ball, so so James Cook, the running back. Um, when you look at him play, you kind of you kind of see where the NFL is these days with a guy the running backs that can catch the football. Um, he is a guy to yeah. me that seems that he can catch the well, ball well out of the backfield and that he can make that jump to the NFL and be, a, be pretty good for somebody. 
Yeah, and and like to the point where I wondered whether Georgia would ever, when they were having wide receiver issues this past year, because they had a lot of injuries there, would they ever, ever just basically move him to wide receiver or use him at wide receiver more? But they kept him at running back, and I think that speaks to his running ability, like that he is a running back. And it's not like they were only giving him the ball on – you know, end arounds and stuff to get him in space. I mean, they're, they're sending him out the middle and stuff, and, you know, he could do that. So he, he's going to be a really interesting one to watch because he was – Georgia has, basically has co-starters at running back, and he and Zamir White were basically co-starters, but Zamir White was the one who got more touches, who got more classic runs. But James Cook was the more explosive of the two, and, and I'm really curious to see how much that translates to the NFL and, I, I I could really see him. I mean, he could be a he could be a first down back, or he could really excel as as a third down back who doesn't get a lot of snaps, but like you love having on your fantasy team as your second or third running back because he's going to get, especially in a points per reception, because he's just going to get so many of those opportunities. Did, did he did he do any special team stuff like return kicks or punts at all? Or I'm just trying to find him a spot in the NFL here, Seth. Uh, early, he he was he was in he was in uh, the mix for that early in his career, but no, he did not okay. he did not do that stuff. Do you think he could take the pounding as like a 17, 18 carry game type of guy, or think he's more of a, a timeshare type, more on third downs? Probably more of a timeshare type, but not as a pure third down back like. I mean, he he got a good. I don't have it in front of me, but um, you guys probably do. But he, he's you know he got a decent amount of carries at Georgia, and like I said, he took poundings. He he he, he ran the ball up the middle, and Georgia did not have a road grading mm-hmm. like dominant offensive line the last couple of years. Um, they were smaller up front than than they'd like to be, so that kind of speaks a little bit to to some of the stuff Cook was able to do. Seth, we've already gone over. I don't want to take any more to your time, so I'll just leave the floor open to you. Anyone that we did not ask you about that you're like, boy, these guys are really stupid. They didn't ask me about this guy. <laughs> or if there's somebody that maybe nobody's talking about that you really like that you think could be an impact NFL player coming out from Georgia. Guess not. <laughs> I guess that's a no. <laughs> So I don't know. Here's to call him back. I just want to make sure that, that he knows we didn't hang up on him. All right. <laughs> yeah, you can get it back on real quick. I guess those cell signals in Georgia. I, I don't know. Best, I, huh? Yeah, or that he's not paying his cell bill. I, I mean, I don't know. It's uh, interesting. You know, when I'm looking at um, Cook's number, he averages six yards a carry. No, look, he's smooth, man. Um, and obviously the brother of the running back uh, from Minnesota. So really good player, um, Dalvin. Dalvin, yeah, yes, yeah. I mean, I want to say Darian. I don't know for some reason, but yeah, no, I, that would be something I would say. No, it's it's Dalvin, by the way. Um, just look at me, you know, correcting you as names. <laughs> um, Six point four last year. He only carried the ball one hundred thirteen times, but you know, uh, seven hundred twenty eight yards on one hundred thirteen carries. So you know, a lot of these guys, it's it's just how they translate to the next level. And as I opened up when I was asking about James Cook, you know, the NFL, they you got to have those guys that can catch the football in the backfield. It's just the extension of your running game, the way that the that the offenses are run these days. Yeah, so absolutely there? right, hundred percent. Seth, come back. Uh, Pearson's trying to get him. Pearson, if you can, that's fine. I can just text him. It's okay. Um, all right, let's go to the phones here. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three. Let's go to Booker in Atlanta. He'll lead us all. Booker, what's up? Hey, guys, I have to laugh at the irony. Here I am in Atlanta 
calling to talk to an Atlanta guy. I'm crossing my fingers and hoping my cell signal signal holds up so I don't get clowned. Yeah, right. Guys. Hope you're doing well. <laughs> We're doing good. How are you? Jeff, I'm good. I'm hoping uh, Schmoke recovered from his. Uh, he's doing well. Thursday apocalypse. Yeah, I mean he's doing all right. I mean he's he's you know we can understand him, which is good. I think a few days ago it probably would have been like marbles in his mouth, but he's do, he's doing all right. Better than me. So guys, I want to uh, walk through a scenario I actually shared with Jeff on Twitter, and I think all of us have had this ideal ordeal, and we're arriving at a real deal regarding the draft scenarios. The ideal would be that the Giants were part of a hot market. And people wanted to move up, and yeah. there was a lot of movement around the possibility of QBs. Well, not so much. The real deal appears to be that people are pretty fixed in their positions, and we'll see if that changes. We said that about free agency a little bit. I don't have to look too far back in my Twitter feed to see that that hasn't proven to be the case. So what I want to ask you guys, and I, I, I was thinking there may be three of you on today, is what would be the ideal, the ordeal, and the possible real deal scenario, not coming out of the first round. I think we've beaten that drum pretty well. But what would be the ideal ordeal or real deal scenarios coming out of rounds two and three? I think there's a ton of attention that goes to the first round. Well, of the here's draft. the problem. Here's the problem. Booker, is, unless we know what happens in round one, we can't tell you what the ideal scenario is in round we, two We have and three. to speculate it with five and seven. Do so. you have to tell us what happens in round so, one? So I'll grant you this scenario. I'll grant you this scenario. Okay, so let's say that they're able to identify and pick up a offensive tackle and a defensive player of choice, ideally an edge or a okay. um, cornerback. What do you think is the smart play for rounds two? I'll give you extended out to four. When there are so many needs, we know we need safety now that Logan Ryan's gone. We know we need talent and depth at linebacker, and tight end is a room of one. What would you say is the smart play and the way we need to come out of those other rounds? And really where your money's made, really, both literally and figuratively. Well, I'll answer. I think that, you know, even though you've seen um, a lot of signings here lately on the free agency from the offensive line position, I still think you need to build some depth through some younger players. And I think that the offensive line, to me, would be you would still go in that direction. What do you say, pass rusher and tackle in the first round? Is that what he said? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay. So, gotcha. you know, yeah. with those five picks, now we're down to, we got three left, right? So I think that there's still going to have to be another offensive lineman in there. An interior guy probably, yep. right? Mm -hmm. um, I am not telling you that the Giants need to draft a tight end in the second round, but I would think that, that you have to be concerned a little bit about that position. Um Seals is a guy that, you know, he hasn't been a, a legitimate starter all his career. He's so, a, he, you know, he's a guy. Uh, he's a guy. And so I, I would try to look yeah. there, too. Um, and then, of course, the linebacking position, I think, is one. The safety position, I think the Giants are pretty good at it. I think that they can probably have some some depth there. But I'm not sure that I want to go that high and grab another safety when I've got McKinney and Julian Love, who can play pretty good. I would say cornerback. Mm -hmm. Well, remember, we almost we got a corner. In the first, oh, oh well, no, you said. Wait a second, didn't you say we got a cornerback too, or was it a, a edge and an offensive lineman? You know, I gave you guys some room there. I said <laughs> definitely a, a, a defensive, a, a offensive tackle, right? Right, and then, and a defensive then it was player. Yeah, one of the All right, two. so but, I will say this, Booker: yeah. whichever one you do not get, edge or cornerback. Okay, so just say it's a, it's not a corner. So there you go, one of those guys. Yeah, whichever right. one you don't get, you got in the first an round, edge, yeah. edge you got or corner. An edge. Okay, give me the other guy. Okay, yep. Uh, interior offensive okay. lineman. Oh. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Number two. Yep. And then I think with that other pick, I think you can be pretty uh, flexible. I think tight ends possible. I like that. 
then you can think about a running back in round in the round three. I don't mm-hmm. think that's out of the question. Um, that high? And the round three is not that high. Or you know, do you just stick with Brietta, Brietta and just kind of go and you know you got to say Quan. I mean, well, I'm not worried about this year. I'm worried about yeah, I next know, year. But next year you can yeah. always draft the running. No, back. you can. That's yeah. what I'm saying. I'm yeah. saying if yeah, there's maybe. a guy you if a yeah. guy you think is like yeah, a really sure. good value, yeah. I think okay. you consider it. Linebacker, you can think about it. Yeah, receiver, and receiver because only because I think and I think receiver is probably the sweet spot because mm-hmm. so because there's so many of them yeah. and you're gonna get a really good player there. Yeah, agree. So I think. I think receiver, edge or corner, whatever you don't get in the first round, and then guard center. Right. I think that's what you're looking at. Right. Fair enough. If I can ask a quick follow-up, guys, mm-hmm. um, because I'm asking you guys to basically be mock draft simulators, which is basically a means <laughs> of feeding your ADD habits and <laughs> learning about players. That's my editorial. You know, John, in your travels, you've met with a lot of folks. I really enjoyed the work you've done with Tony Pauline and Croc. I wonder if you've come across any specific players that the Giants may be interested in that meet Joe Shane's criteria, being smart, dependable, and tough. I have some names that come to mind for me. Uh, the Jermaine Jeffersons, the Sauce Gardeners that are smart GM security <laughs> picks in uh, the top of round one. But I wonder who else you've come across. I've heard Sky Moore being mentioned. I wonder if you've come across any other names in your travels and that you've heard from um Tony and Crocker others. Of guys that what specifically? Just out of like really they're kind of off the radar a little bit. It's like some ones that are like they're moving up a little bit. Some of them that no. you've noticed or yeah, well, the, yeah. yeah, I'm going back to what we heard from you know if I look at um, Jefferson at their press stuff and if I look at Sauce Gardner, they look like guys that look like Giants guys. They know they're confident, they're humble, they fit the kind of prototype, good, bad, or indifferent depending upon who you are in the fan base. They seem like folks that GMs can be comfortable with with their first picks. John, you mentioned uh, Sky Moore in your encounters at the Combine. Talented player, polite kid. They seem to meet those criteria that we've heard from Dave's and Shane of being smart, tough, and dependable. I'm asking you if there are other folks that you've seen or heard from who meet those kind of not on the field traits, but off the field traits. Good question. (laughs) Um, I would say Tyrell Lindebaum fits that. Zion Johnson would fit that. Uh, let's see. I'm just going through a top 100 list here. I'm looking for guys that kind of jump out. I've heard great things about Kenneth Walker, the running back in the Michigan State. Um, Roger McCreary is a guy that I don't know if he fits the physical attributes that Wink Martindale likes, but everything else I've heard about the kid has been positive. Um, uh, John Mechie I've heard really good things about. Uh, let's see. Dylan Parham is somebody that a lot of people like. I don't know about him off the field, though. I know as an on-the-field guy, people like him a lot. What is he? Um, okay. He is a center guard. Okay. Right. Uh, I'm just going through these lists here. Yeah, I mean, those would be the guys I that, as, I, as I quickly go through them, yeah. How yeah, about I'm you? keeping an eye out for that because I know there's some do traits and some who traits that are involved in how you make a selection, and I'm, I'm paying attention to a little bit of both. Hey, guys, thanks so much. Guys, your, your draft coverage has you. always been and continues to be phenomenal. I look forward to us that, that not always having to be where we start paying attention in October. Um, but uh, until that time, I'm, I appreciate you guys and all that you do. You guys have a great afternoon, okay? Hey, you're welcome. Awesome. And Thanks, by the man. way, your cell service from Atlanta is out- outstanding. So <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have to, you know, we have a problem like we did with Seth. Um, 
I have the same thing in my basement in my house. My cell phone is this horrible. Hey, Giant fans, uh, secure season tickets for 2022 for only 100 bucks today. Limited seats available. Speak with the Giants ticket representative now and become a season ticket member by calling 888-NYG-1925. All right, let's go to Doug in New York. He's up next. Hi, Doug in New York. Doug in New York once. Hi, John. Hi. Hey, what's up, Doug? Well, I wanted to talk a little bit about this. I forgot. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, the, the pass rusher from Oregon. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau. Thibodeau. Yeah, him. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Go ahead. Yeah, talk I about have, him. What he did at the combine, I have concerns about. And it sounds like he's he's kind of full of himself. He thinks he's already to to be a great star in the NFL. I don't know if, how much he's going to take up to coaching. He reminds me somewhat, personality wise, of uh, Eric Flowers because he wasn't that good at taking up coaching, and he he didn't ever want to change positions for us. Right? He he wanted to stay at left tackle. He wouldn't play any other position. Hey, look, Thibodeau is very talented. His high-end tape is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But if you talk, when I talk to people at Indy, the, the common refrain is that the worry is that he thinks he already has everything figured out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah that's, that's what I'm, my concern is. To, now, Doug, here's the thing. I cannot vouch whether or not that's true. Now, here's the problem, Doug. I can't, uh? vouch, I can't vouch whether or not that's true. Sure. You but know when what you're I mean? getting it from a, quite a few people. Right, right. Well, listen. I mean, a lot of times in the NFL, these you know the the teams, as as much as character does mean a lot, I think that on the field means a lot more sometimes to some of these guys. So, um, the guy can play. You know, he can play. It's just a matter of that's a big investment, but he's definitely going to someone in the top ten. There's no question. Mm-hmm. So he's that type of a player. Right. Right. So, John, of the tight ends that you you probably watch some film on. Who are the ones that you like that we probably get get later in the draft? Ferguson or um, that big kid from uh, or fairly big kid from Iowa State or or someone else you like? Yeah, I have not watched the tight ends in detail. Ferguson, yet. you definitely could get later on. I think so. I mean, I don't think there's going to be more than three, two or three tight ends yeah. on day two, even. Yeah. Like I yeah. think, you know, maybe Ruckert from Ohio State. Um, the Trey McBride from, outs- from Colorado State. Yeah, from outs- and there's somebody, there's another one from, is it San Diego State? Or there's another one out there. Um, I'm going to bring it up here. My, my go pro football. But um, I know uh, that. Greg Dulcich from UCLA is another player that people like. Cade Otten from Washington. Isaiah Likely was a guy that some people like, but then he ran really slow at his pro day. So so you so you think because of the depth, we if I get someone in the third or fourth round, we don't have to worry about the second round. For for me, I think round four is a good sweet spot for the yeah. tight end. This year. Unless one of these guys that, that John mentioned mm-hmm. is is up there and he's still hanging around. I know? think Ruckert with your second third round pick might be something I would consider. Okay, okay, from yeah. Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah. Um, and this guy that this guy that Paulie likes, the, the Ferguson kid from Wisconsin, mm-hmm. what do you think about him? I think he's a day three guy. Definitely. You know, he just doesn't have that much juice athletically. So. He's a big dude. He's, a, he's kind of just a you know hand in the dirt, that old school tight end. He's not a flex guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I only know we covered, we just did this on on uh, Tuesday we did Wisconsin so we got we yeah got... I was actually listening to this afternoon how'd that go so it was great it was great and we had a little more information on Ferguson so that that puts it right in line with what John was saying I think he's a day three guy um could be you know you never know somebody may like that type of player but I think that that's kind of more what the what the tight end in today's game is he's not your guy that's going to be out there making tons and tons of plays 
Dottino likes him because he's old school, hand in the dirt, blocks like crazy. That is not the real NFL tight end that people want to see in their fantasy league either. <laughs> well, know, I don't even play fantasy. The fantasy anymore. world isn't what we live in, is it? No. We want our well, dads to win games. Well, yeah. The heck with the fantasy world. That yeah, but yeah, but yeah, no, I agree. But you want to score points, and yeah. to score points, you need guys on the field that can make plays in the passing game. Yeah. Yep. Right. Right. And tight end is one of them. All right. So nowadays. Thanks for your help. You're welcome. Thanks. Thank you. You know, with Thibodeau, the, there's always those questions about a lot of these guys coming out. And, you know, you just have to take the, every one of them is a chance. Well, that's why you have scouts. That's why you have interviews. And that's why you do your due diligence. And that's why the Giants, or not the Giants, the NFL takes so long. Hey, look, Thibodeau is this. a smart kid. He's very well trained. He's very well coached. Yeah. Like, he's going to present himself well, I think. Mm-hmm. So I think that's when the, well, talk to the people around them. Talk to the people at Oregon. Yeah, yeah. Figure out really what the kid's all about, and that'll allow you to make decisions. If he checks that box, I mean, he's there at five, mm-hmm. you pick him. Yeah. Yep. And you know what? The Giants have a really, really good uh, defensive line coach here. It came from uh, Buffalo. Very, very – I'm sorry, from Minnesota. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, George Edwards. George Edwards. Did I just lose my thing? Oh. Um, so, and I think that that goes a long ways with the coach you have to be able to – control someone like that who thinks they've got it all figured out yeah you would hope yeah you would hope. you would hope because that's a big that's a big investment when you're going to take that kind of guy and i also think this is the start of their regime you want to pick guys that are going to be foundational players not guys that you have to manage well and we've always talked about this earlier at least i have that when you read the tea leaves from dable and joe shane they've always talked about in this draft, they're still trying to find good football players, but they're, part of it, too, is trying to find good guys. Well, look, it's smart, tough, and then the third one is dependable. Right. Is Thibodeau yeah. someone that's dependable? Is he smart? He's tough. Is he dependable? That's the, that's the one thing. Well, you get two out of the three, I guess. Well, if you pick a fifth, though, I think you want to check all three. You want, you want four <laughs> out of three, <laughs> you know? Right. 100%. So, well, we'll see what happens. I mean, I, I, the Giants would could use another edge rusher like him to, it would be exciting in this defense i will say this i'm a little more confident that one of those two top offensive tackles could be there at five today than i was a couple weeks ago because of what we've been saying right well just because of what happened in free agency i think well also i think that i still think just like everything in in the last few years how those quarterbacks sneak up in there. oh no i don't there is no quarterback that's going in front of the giants you don't think so no who's picking one mm, yeah i guess no, i mean i mean the lions would be the only team um. Yeah, and I still think that they may. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think so. I'm just going out on a limb. No, I know. Yeah, that's fine. But that's usually what affects those numbers, you right. know? And for me, I, I'm still all in on five, and I'm okay with seven going down. Pass rushers, cornerbacks, offensive tackles. That's yeah. going to be like the literally the first six or seven picks of the draft will be from those so, three positions. So answer this. So how do you see one of those tackles coming to the Giants at five then? Jacksonville picks a pass rusher. Um, I mean, yeah, Jacksonville picks a pass rusher. Okay. Lions pick a pass rusher. Okay. Either the Jets or Houston well, there you take go. Hamilton. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Yeah. Or maybe, or maybe the Jets take Sauce Gardner at four. Yeah. Not impossible. Not a bad situation. No, that would be <laughs> a great situation. And can you imagine if Neil was sitting there? Could. I'll take him in a minute. Oh, in a minute. Big dude. 201-939-4513. Bob and Parsippany is up next. Hey, Bob. Hi. Uh, good afternoon, John and Jeff. Hi. Um, I, w- I, w- I would like to uh, address 
some draft disinformation that's been targeted at Aiden Hutchinson. And it also seems like BBK is helping to spread the disinformation by mentioning it on the show. Uh, okay, uh, Bobby, Bobby, very careful because you're already annoying me. I'm just warning you. <laughs> well, we, we know that Aiden Hutchinson has relatively short 32-and-an-eighth-inch arms. The disinformation implies that Hutchinson should drop several draft slots because of the short arms. You know, just to kind of like how an offensive tackle having short arms would drop. Bob, we've literally but said it, he's likely to be the first overall pick in the draft. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> who said Who said that? Okay. I don't know if anybody said that. Have they? No. Who's, who said that? So that's, uh, mis- I, so that's misinformation <laughs> being spread by the caller. Exactly. What else you got, Bob? Uh, all right. That, that's really all, you know, all I got. Is, I, I just wanted to say that, you know, that six of the top 12 sack leaders – in the NFL have short arms, 32 and change or less, including Aaron Donald. and um, Aaron Donald's a defensive Mike. tackle. <laughs> but, but he's a pass rusher. No, but defensive tackle arm length is not nearly as important as defensive end arm length. Uh, and uh, Micah Parsons, 31 and a half. He's a linebacker. <laughs> All right, we're not, we're not getting anywhere. Um All I'm saying is you don't need long arms to be able to pass, uh, to be able to rush the passer. All right, Bob. Thanks for the call. Most most guys do. Yeah, most most guys. When you scout defensive ends and offensive tackles, arm length is very important. um, Bend has a lot to do with arms. Hutchins doesn't have great bend either, by the way. But, you know, he's got a motor, and he's strong, and he can, you know, uh, we'll we'll see. We'll see. I know I've never said on this show that I thought Aiden Hutchinson is going to drop a couple of picks because of his arm length. No, I'm not. Su- I'm not as high in Aiden Hutchinson as, as other people are. I, I'm fairly certain he's not going to be the best player to come out of this draft. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong about that. Um, I just worry when you look at his film at Michigan, when he gets his sacks, he doesn't win with that bend and speed off mm-hmm. the edge. It's all hand fighting and stuff. He doesn't Which, have great length. Yeah. And I wonder if that translates when you start playing better offensive tackles. It may not. Probably, probably not. That's what. So, or, what, or, what, or what maybe is, it will. I don't know that, but I think that's a legitimate concern with him. What is a what is a Pro Bowl All Pro tackles all about? They they have great hands position. They they they. they now he ha- now he's very good with his hands, yeah. but he doesn't have the bend. He doesn't have that. Yeah, and those so, and, and tackles aren't you're not getting around those guys from the inside. That's for sure. They've got to have some sort of a pass rush on the outside with your arms. Because what Hutchinson was able to do in college, he was able to get into the body of these offensive tackles, use his hands, leverage to move them. Mm-hmm. You know, uses you know hand violence to mm-hmm. free himself. Yeah. Here's the problem: when you get to the NFL and you have guys that have arms that are two or three inches longer than him, they're not going to let him get into their bodies. Right. Right. So that's kind of what the worry is there. That's why arm length's important. It's like it's like the old TV shows and cartoons, right? When you have the big person puts their hand on the little guy's head and the little guy just yeah. waving his arms and he can't do anything. <laughs> yeah. Now that's obviously an exaggerated version of that. It's three twosers too, I think. Right. But I mean I if I had to guess right now, I think Hutchinson is the first overall pick in the draft. Yeah. Yeah. Um that doesn't mean there aren't some traits there. Now he and if, now, he, if he's not, you know that you most likely he's gonna be the second guy. Right. Of course. Detroit. I mean, now, he had a great three-cone drill, mm-hmm. you know, that says, all right, well, maybe he should have really good quickness in Ben then. But you didn't see that on tape. Mm-hmm. 
So that's where it's kind of a tough balancing act. Yeah. Did you see his little, you know, what's the what's the hula hoop, hoop one? The hoop drill. The hoop drill. See, I didn't love it. Yeah, me either. Dude. The, that's, that's about bend. The second towel, he didn't place it, he down. it down. He dropped it from his thigh. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you saw that too. Yeah, yeah you got to go down and place it. He just got, he didn't get low enough. To, he just let it go. You know, that's your bend. That's your bend. That's your bend. Correct. <laughs> yeah, watch a little bit of the combine. I love the combine. I really do. All I right, know, let's... I know you didn't like it because it was <laughs> everything is at night. It was fun. All right, let's go back to the phone. Scott, in New Mexico. Scott, what's up? Hi guys, how you doing today? What's good, up? How are you? Uh, good, uh, John. I hope you're feeling better. Uh, I'm slowly getting there. The left side of my mouth is still a little, you know, cut up and sores and stuff like that. But uh, I think I'm going to try to eat solid foods for the first time today. So that should okay. be fun. Well, that, that, that's a plus. <laughs> yeah, that's a plus. <laughs> I had some uh, comments uh, about the draft and also about Tyrod Taylor. And one of the things, I may be the only Giant fan, I think, that's not that enthusiastic about Tyrod Taylor. And the reason being is... <laughs> Over the last 20 games with four teams, he's thrown more interceptions than touchdowns. Now, I assume there's a reason for that. But he hasn't been as impressive. I know his best days were with Buffalo. And I know people are already comparing if Daniel Jones gets hurt. We have Tyrod Taylor, and he's the savior. And I just don't believe that. I'm hoping that the Giants, maybe in the second or third round, may look at a quarterback, maybe a sleeper, uh, that uh, nobody's talking about and see if they can add somebody. Because what I'm worried about also with Davis Webb, since he hasn't played it down in the NFL, when I saw him in preseason, it was hard for him to hit his plate with his fork. And so I don't have a lot of faith in him either. And I am worried about that quarterback position because the way uh, Daniel Jones plays, I don't know if he'll play all 17 games. But the one thing that I am encouraged about is uh, Wink Martindale and the defense from 2018 through 2020. Arguably, Baltimore was the best defense in the NFL. And I think they're going to have to address some issues there as well as the offensive line. So I'm sort of steering away from taking two offensive linemen in the first round and maybe taking a defensive uh, edge rusher. And the way I have the first seven picks breaking down, this is not – if no one changes or, or there's a trade or anything, the first seven picks, I have Neal going to Jacksonville, Hutchinson going to Detroit, Houston taking Kyle Hamilton – the Jets taking Ahmad Gardner, and instead of Aquano, the Giants take Thibodeau. And then I have... Uh, well, well, here's take... the thing, Scott, real quick. If you get there to five, and both right. Neil and Aquano were there... Neil's gone. Oh, Neil's Neil, gone. Neil was the number yeah, one Neil's, pick. Neil's, t- Neil's the first draft pick being taken by Jacksonville. You better like Charles Cross. Yeah, and that's that's exactly where I was going. The Giants would take <laughs> Charles Cross as the as the seventh pick. That's if they don't trade down. And here's the reason why I'm saying that: Aquanu, by far and away, is a better run blocker. Yep. But Charles Cross is a better pass blocker. And what are we talking about over the last two to three years? No, we were talking about keeping Daniel Jones upright, and he's a better pass blocker. And in the offense that I assume Mike Kafka is going to use there's going to be a lot of passes down the field. And so I'd rather have a better pass blocker than a run blocker. Not that both can't develop into uh, having both uh, attributes, but 
that's the way I see the first seven picks going. And again, that's if nothing changes in the interim, because some of the offensive linemen that the Giants took don't have great PFF grades. And Feliciano, well-intentioned, I'm sure, uh, has only played, what, two games at center. Not that it can't happen because Nick Gates was switched to center, but I'd much rather have a center with a little bit more experience. But that I'm willing to give him a chance and see where we go with that. But his PFF grade was not great, and he was beaten out at guard by both Bottinger and uh, Bates when he was with Buffalo. Hey, look, Scott, no one's, no one's getting on the show and saying Feliciano's a high-end starter, but he's a guy right. that has starred a lot of games in the league, and you hope he's you know good enough right. where he's not somebody that's going to get targeted and get taken advantage of. You know what I mean? Right, and I, I agree with that. Uh, there's a, I want to end with this. There's a couple of players on day two that I think you saw in the senior bowl, and I want to get your opinions of them. And then you can talk about my seven draft picks, if it makes sense to you. But uh, there was a player, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, who'll be around a day two pick, uh, Demarius Leal out of Texas A&M, Perrin Winfrey from Oklahoma, and John Ridgeway from Arkansas. I think two of them played in the Senior Bowl. All three, yeah, yeah, two of them did. And I wanted to get your opinion on those three as a potential picks because the way Wink Martindale used his players, they usually, with Baltimore, he had lighter tackles like 295, 300. I think he had one nose tackle. It was 325. But they created the havoc and allowed the linebackers to get through, and that's why Baltimore's uh, defense was so successful from 2018 to 2020, and obviously in 2021 the whole team was decimated, so he had nobody, and they finished, I think, 18th in the league. But before that, they were the top for those three years, they were the top defense. And so I'm thinking you're going to need a balance. And so I'm switching from both two offensive tackles or two offensive linemen being taken in the first round to an offensive tackle and a defensive lineman being taken. I do like Thibodeau because I think despite everything, besides what everybody else has said, I mean, we took Gadarius Tony first and he had some baggage and he hasn't played yet, but I think he'll be a star. So I think Thibodeau is getting a, a bad rap. So I just wanted to get your analysis on those players and also what you think about my first seven draft picks. And, uh, and I'll take your answers off the air, guys. Thanks again. Okay. Uh, appreciate the call. Uh, I think your first seven draft picks are, are reasonable, and we'll get to that second. But first, I want to hit those three players because otherwise, yeah. I'll, because otherwise I'll forget. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Leal is kind of a end three-technique hybrid. Mm-hmm. Good player. I think day two pick, probably second round, early third-ish. Okay. Um, I think he's a guy that could fit, maybe a defensive end in a 3-4 type of guy. So I think, yeah, good player. Not super explosive, but good player. Um, Ridgeway is more of a plugger. Big guy out of Arkansas. Okay. Um, good two player. Guy? I, I like Perry on Winfrey. I thought he was very good at the senior bowl. He could penetrate a little bit, had some quickness, some juice to him. I think that's kind of like a, you know, probably same range as Leal, probably late round to early round three type of guy, maybe getting into that mid-second round, depending if people like him. I thought his top seven were, were, were reasonable. It's just a matter of where those guys go. The Aquanu, oh, New York Times report, second Texas grand jury considering sexual misconduct allegations against Deshaun Watson. Oh, boy. Um, I'm reading that off the screen yeah. right now. Uh, good luck with that. Um, wow. Yeah, not what the Browns want to hear. Um, so... The Aquanu Cross thing is interesting because after I just watched the tape, mm-hmm. I was with Scott and I said, I like Cross. Better pass protector. Aquanu's technique and pass was kind of all over the place. 
Then I got up close with that Kwanu and talked to him and heard him talk and just saw how big he was. <laughs> Cross looks like a college player. Yeah, yeah. Is he more like a Matt Parrot a little bit? Like a, you know, just Neil Cross? Yeah. No, he's not. not he, it looks like, like, like his body needs to develop a little bit more. Oh, okay. It, so he's not a thin, like a, like, like, no. Matt Parrot's a guy that you saw that we could put on some more weight. He could, yeah. you know. Cross is a guy that could. It looks like he could harden his body a little bit mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. felt it. Like, it just looks like he's. Just has a little ways to go. Kwanu looks like a guy out of like the Mr. Universe magazine yeah. thing. Like, yeah. he is just he's going to, a monster. Yeah, he's going to attack you. And then you hear him talk about how he loves the game and how smart he is. Mm-hmm. And not that Charles Cross isn't a smart no, yeah, guy and yeah. he wasn't good, a good talker either. I know where you're going. You just get the belief listening to Kwanu talk that he's going to be able to fix his issues. Throw in the superior athletic testing. Mm-hmm. Not that, again, cross-tested fine, but Aquani yeah. was off the charts. Right. That's why, and maybe I'm letting my emotions get in the way, because I feel like I've, I have a pretty good, right, I, mean, I feel like I have a pretty good ability to read somebody and to whether or not I can trust that person mm-hmm. to do what they're going to do and develop. And I feel good about Aquanu. Probably a little bit better about Aquanu than I do about Cross. I think and Cross you're... also comes from that air raid system where there are some, yeah. you know, how well does that convert to pro style? So there are some legitimate things you have to think about there. But I see the argument both ways. I think right now I lean Aquanu just because of the whole package. So what if both of those... Aquan is gone. Are you taking Cross? Yes. Okay. I'm fine with Cross at five or seven. Okay. Fine with it. That was my question. And, and I would take him over Penning. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean... Uh, because yeah. I don't feel great about getting a tackle in the second round. But not as much as you feel great about getting him in the first round. I need a guy I can plug in there and play. Well, I mean, and any of those guys that you talked about are plug and play guys. The other thing, by the way, is that... Kwanu also has more experience at right tackle than Cross does. Okay. No, there's your guy. So that's a factor there, too. There's your guy. Unfortunately, I don't think he's going to be there. I feel better about either Neil or Kwanu being there than I have since this process started. Yeah, the way that things are bouncing around a because little if bit. If the Jaguars don't pick a tackle, mm-hmm. the Lions already have Penny Sewell and Taylor Decker. Mm-hmm. Is there a chance the Texans take a tackle? Sure. Is there a chance the Jets take a tackle? Sure. But there's a chance they don't. Oh, then you go. You got a good chance now. Now you're two away. <laughs> right? That's what yeah. I'm saying. See, yeah. I never thought one or the two would get there because I always thought Jacksonville would pick a tackle. Yeah. Then they went and franchised Cam Robinson. Mm-hmm. Say what you want. That was your choice. You did it. So that's made me change my opinion a little bit, which will make Paul Dottino happy. Here's the beauty of this. He's trying to give Dottino hope. <laughs> well, that's good. And you you want to him... maximize his hope before it's crushed on draft night. <laughs> yeah. So the, the, what you really want. Now, I'll be happy. I'll he's, be... he's crushed every year, by the way. Because he wants a quantum. Yeah. So my hope, so I get the best of both worlds, right? I want the Giants to get the player. Yeah. So I like Neil as my number one guy anyway. Right. So give me Neil. So I want both guys to be there on the board. Then the Jets go at four. 
they pick a quantum. <laughs> You're so mean. So Paul's to stare at him. Yeah. He's going to be so distraught. He's not even going to, he's not even going to, he's just going to leave. So we still get Neil. That's Giants fine. are good. Okay. And we get the bonus of Paul being crushed. Yeah. And by the you way, win. and after we get Neil, <laughs> and by the way, John, after we get Neil, we're only two picks away from doing it again and getting another outstanding football And then player. you pick either the best defensive end or Sauce Gardner if he's still there. Yeah. Or you pick Kyle Hamilton. Uh, if he's there, I would imagine the Giants go after him. You know, possibly the best player in the draft from, you know. I'll after. tell you, Evan Neal, just, I've never seen a guy carry 340 pounds like that guy. And the it's thing ridiculous. Of, and, and, and by the way, you, you're not going to go wrong drafting a guy from Alabama. I mean, where they play, He'll be the a competition. Pro. He'll be a pro. He's already a pro when you think about where he comes from. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? With Nick Saban and, and just the way that they do things. Now, so. their linemen have, have the tendency to get banged up sometimes. As long as, you know, if he's healthy. And he's played right tackle, too. But that, you That's just took the words out of my mouth. I was just right going to say, you know what? He's got, he's, he has a lot of experience at right tackle. That's what we're looking for. Giants are looking for a right tackle. And worse comes to worse with both Neil and Aquanu. I don't think this is the case with Cross. With both Neil and Aquanu, I know Pearson, I'm killing you. <laughs> if they, for some reason, bust and can't play tackle, both those guys are big and strong enough to go in there and play guard, no problem. Yeah. Like, like, you, like, you put Icky Aquanu a guard, that dude's going to be a monster. Yeah, that's like one and a half guards. <laughs> he will move people. Yeah. In fact, some people think that he's going to be a guard. Yeah, we'll see. Which is why some people might pick Neil over him. Yeah. You know? Because Neil, I think, is a better pass blocker than a run blocker at this point, too. So, anyway, that's where I'm at. Jeff, final thoughts, or you want to just... No, I just... Head? Well, my final thoughts are it's just, this is a continuous... It's always changing, you know, just because of the news that we hear from people and then some of the insights that you know, this team is high on this guy or this and that. I still think there's something going to go down. Like, there's going to be a movement. There's going to be a move somewhere. Yeah, because the NFL hasn't seen enough movement over the past two weeks. No, it's been we the haven't. most ridiculous two weeks of all time. <laughs> well, we're going to continue it in April. So that's fine. No, good stuff. And thanks, Seth, for jumping onto us with us for like four times. <laughs> we'll talk to you next week, Jeff. Yep, you got it. For Jeff, for Seth Emerson, I'm John Schmuck. We'll see you tomorrow at noon for another episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live.